Thanks for joining us for today's message. We encourage you to email us and let us know what God is currently doing in your life. Or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, you can do so here on our website. For now, we hope you enjoy this message. Thanks for tuning in today. Well, pastors are out of town for a couple services here. And and as you know, Pastor Mike was teaching on the clash of two kingdoms, the kingdom of darkness versus the kingdom of light. And, and so when he gets back, he's going to continue on with that. And, and so I'm going to teach for a, a few services just on, on the Bible. And it's going to be called Return to the Word. Okay, so kind of basic. But uh, again, basic is good. We, we just finished up our series on In the Name of Jesus. And, and hopefully you're using that name with authority and understanding the authority that you've got with that name. Amen, and, and it's, a, it's a good thing. So again, we're going to talk about return to the Word. Tonight we're going to talk specifically about the authority of God's Word. And you can turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. That's where we'll get started at tonight. You know, this, this Bible, the Word of God, it's, it's truly the only thing that's going to produce and, and create victory in your life. Amen? You know, believers can, can come to church, you can be a tither, you can even serve, be consistent and faithful, but I'll tell you what, if, if you don't spend time consistently in the Bible, you'll be ignorant of the Word of God, Amen. and you'll miss out on, on the best that God has for you. You know, the, the Bible says that my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, and, and Pastor always says it's for lack of right knowledge, right? And, and where do you get that right knowledge? You get it from here, from the Word of God. You get it from the Bible. Amen. You know, the, the Bible, I looked up a definition, and, and I thought this was pretty cool. It says it's a collection of truths that prepare one for departure from the earth. You think about that. This is, this is preparation. It, it instructs us on how to live while we're here on earth, but it's preparing us at all times for eternity. And it's the only textbook for Christianity, right? This is the only book that we need. It's the Bible, the Word of God. And, and simply, if you live in this book, if you live in the, the 66 books that are in here, and not just live in there, but, but, and not just read it, but actually do what it tells you to do, you will experience a life of victory. Amen. You know, and, and heaven will eventually be your home, amen? But, but while you're here on earth, the goal is to have dominion, it's to have victory and power over all the things that we struggle with. You know, Jesus said that, that in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And how do we overcome? It's by the, the blood of the Lamb, the word of our testimony, and again, depositing God's word in our spirit and, and speaking it out of our mouths. That's how we have victory in this life. John chapter 8, are you there yet? All right, here we go. John 8, verse 31. This is in the Amplified Classic. It says this. It, it says, So Jesus said to those Jews who had believed in him, If you abide, we're going to focus on that word abide, but if you abide in my word, and that means to hold fast to my teachings and live in accordance with them. He says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? So it's, it's not just knowing the truth, but it's, it's abiding in that truth. Right? And, and walking that truth out. What's that word abide mean? It means to remain, to continue, to dwell in. So simply if we say if, if we remain and continue and dwell in God's word, then we are truly his disciples. And if we are his disciples, we will know the truth and that truth will make us free. So it's not just the truth that sets us free, it's, it's the truth that we abide in, that we continue in, that we, we hold fast to, that we walk in. 
Amen? That truth that, that renews our mind and changes us from the old stinking thinking into the new thinking of, of, of what it means to come out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. Amen? That's, that's what it means to abide. And again, you abide in the word by simply staying in it. How are some, some ways that you do that? First thing when you wake up in the morning, be intentional about giving God your attention. Tell, tell the Father, good morning, Father. Amen. Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Holy Spirit. Yeah. That should be the first thing that you do when you wake up in the morning. Amen. Don't look at your phone and emails and, and all that stuff. Even if you have good intentions of, of getting on your phone and re- reading the Bible, what, what will you do? Sometimes go check something quick, and then you find yourself out there in cyberspace, right? Amen. Get in the Word right away. Read a proverb. You know, today is, is May 24th, so maybe read the, the 24th proverb of the month, and then maybe read one psalm, or, or, or maybe it's the 24th psalm, and, and so on and so forth through there. Have a, have a plan. Don't just haphazardly go through things. And then when you're getting ready in the morning, maybe it's having worship music as you're playing, as you're, you're taking a shower, and then as you're, you're doing your hair, you ladies, and, and getting ready, listen to something on teaching that, that is, again, depositing the word in. You're, you're, you're leveraging and using that time. I know when I work out, you know, back in the day before I was saved, it was Metallica and ACDC and all that kind of stuff. Now I know I'm saved because I'm listening to teaching tapes. I mean, it's just crazy. Or teaching on, the, on, on YouTube. That's how you know you're changed, amen? God takes the desires and the, the things that you used to love and he changes those and, and changes those desires, which is an awesome thing. You know, maybe over the noon hour, spend 10 or 15 minutes reading your Bible. And again, have a reading plan. You know, I'll, I've got a birthday coming up next Tuesday and, and I'm gonna be 50 years old. Barely even get it out. But I've uh, been working out. I think I got my first weight set at, at age 12. So that's 38 years of, of working out and, and was a fitness professional for, for 25 of those years. You know, and, and so I know very well what to do when I go in the gym. However, you know, some days you don't feel like doing it. So you go in and you kind of do a little this, a little that, and hop on the elliptical and call it a workout. That's not a plan that's going to take you anywhere, Amen. right? I actually pay a guy to actually do some programming for me so I know what I'm doing when I get in there and, and, it, and it removes excuses because I, I've already known and, and decided ahead of time that, that I'm going to follow that plan. And it's the same way with reading your Bible. You know, go get a reading plan. You know, it might be just reading through the New Testament in 90 days or, or reading through the whole Bible in a year. I mean, as Christians, that should be a goal of all of ours. Amen. Amen is to read through the whole entire Bible. Even Leviticus, even though you might skim through some of that numbers and whatnot. But again, it's to get through it from cover to cover. I believe that when we stand before God, he's going to ask us, what did you do with my word? Did you learn it? But again, if you've got a plan, then every day when you wake up, you know exactly what it is that you're going to do in there. You're not kind of just haphazardly flipping through and, you know, reading a little of this and, and reading a little of that. Now, it's, it's fine if you're, you're maybe battling depression or, or anger or something like that, and you can definitely go into the Word and find specific scriptures that, that will combat those, those maybe negative thoughts or emotions that you have. But, but other than that, have a plan. And more, most importantly, stick to that plan. Discipline yourself to get in there. Amen? Amen? So Bible reading, I was, I was looking at some statistics and, and uh, I can't remember, I think, I can't remember, it, it's, a, it's a Christian organization that, that basically pulls a def- bunch of different people and, and, and they said this, a person that only reads their Bible one to three times per week, it's not much better than somebody that doesn't read it at all. Now, don't mistake, something is better than nothing. But the magic number was actually four times a week of getting in your Bible. Now, seven times 
is ideal, right? Every day being in the Word, that's where that plan will really help you out. But, but let's look at some of the benefits that people realize just from getting in the Word four times a week. Feeling lonely dropped 30%. Think about that. Anger issues dropped 32%. Just by reading the Bible four times a week. Bitterness in relationships dropped 40%. That would, that would more than, you know, probably cut the divorce rate in half just by reading the Bible four times a week. Alcoholism drops 57%. Adultery, sex outside of marriage drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant drops 60%. Viewing pornography drops 61%. Think of those things. Just by reading your Bible four times a week, those numbers decrease by over 50%. And then on the flip side, sharing your faith jumps over 200% and discipling others jumps 230% just by reading your Bible four times a week. And we know when we read the Bible, what does the Bible do? It reads us. It changes us. Amen? And conforms us into into God's image. But but based on the evidence or based on those those facts, wouldn't you agree with me that that reading your Bible is beneficial? It is, isn't it? And after reading this list, I, I thought, man, to myself, I'd have to be an idiot not to read my Bible. I'd never say that to you, but, but to me, I'd say, man, I'd have to be an idiot not to read my Bible. I couldn't imagine going more than a day or two without reading my Bible. But it all starts with a decision. Amen. You know, you, you start out by disciplining yourself. Discipline turns into a desire, and a desire turns into a delight. So I don't want to beat you up here tonight, but, but if, if you've been undisciplined, you've just got to rediscipline your life to get back into the Word. But again, it starts with this decision. The word decision comes from the, the word decide. It means to cut off from. When you decide, when you've made a decision, you're cutting off every other option. So when you made a decision for Jesus Christ, that means you, made a, uh, you cut off the, the world. You cut off every other option and you, and you followed him. You repented, you turned from, from your wicked ways and you began to follow Jesus. When you got married, when Melissa and I stood before God, right, we, we cut covenant with him, Amen. right? We made a decision where we, we cut off the, the option for divorce. So when we have challenges and struggles, that is not an option because we made that decision back 21 years ago, right? August 4th of 2002, to be exact, August 10th of 2002, August 4th is her birthday. Praise the Lord. <laughs> a lot of August things, a lot of birthdays, a lot of all that stuff, but we made a decision that divorce is not an option. And we're going to work through it. Hallelujah. Amen. And a decision is different than a choice. That's right. A choice is something where you can pick one one day and pick another another day. We've got a, a fathers and sons event that's coming up. All men over, over sixth grade and up are going to be invited to attend on, on June 16th. Melissa will talk more about that at the end. But we're going to have ice cream there. Right? And if we had maybe strawberry or chocolate, one time you could choose strawberry and the next time chocolate. But, but see, choices change. But decisions, they remain the same. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do tonight. As you hear about the, the importance of reading your Bible, the importance of getting God's word into you, make a decision. When you go home tonight, first thing in the morning, you decide that tomorrow is the first day of forever where you're not going to miss a day. Amen. By a show of hands, how many people are ready to make that decision? Should be all of us if you're a Christian. Amen? Amen. Amen. So the authority of God's word, that word authority comes directly from the word author. And what we're going we're gonna to answer the question, who is the author of the Bible? So the word authority, again, has the word author right in there. Authority. So the authority 
or the, the author gives authority to whatever it is that he produces. So you think about it, if, if you're reading a book and, and you don't understand something in that book, let's say it's Rick Renner, he, he writes something, you don't understand it, who would be the very best person to ask to explain what it is that Rick Renner meant in the book that he wrote? Rick Renner, right? The one that wrote the book. The author of the book is the best one to ask to explain what it is that he meant. That's what the author does. He, 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 he says what he means. He means what he says. He may not have explained it the best, but again, it gives him an opportunity to come back and explain it to us. Amen? Amen. What I'm going to teach you tonight here is that, that the word comes to us in three different forms. And as we, we get into the first form, which, which, which is the word logos, the written word of God, I'm going to give you all three. The second form is Jesus, the living word of God. The third form is, is Rhema, the spoken word of God. And that's in no particular order. But as we're answering this question, who is the author of the Bible? That first word again, logos. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Logos means the written word of God, the Bible. So turn in your Bibles here to 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16. And I was so blessed when Ben Priest was here and, and John Osteen was his pastor. And, and when he went to, to John Osteen's house and knocked on it, you know, big burly, uh, you know, one percenter. I mean, just crazy guy, right? And what did John Osteen tell him? He said, get a Bible, get a notebook, and show up to church every time the church doors open. And he said, I will teach you how to have victory in, the, in life. I'll teach you, you know, how to walk this word out. He talked about tithing and serving and all those other things. But again, the first thing he said was get a Bible and read that Bible. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, it, it says this, All Scripture, say all, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteous, that the man or woman of God may be perfect, that means mature, right? Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Hang with me here a minute, because I like how the message says it. Back up to verse 15, it says, There's nothing like the written word of God for showing you the way to salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. Think about that. The Bible shows us the way to salvation. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. Amen? Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another. You might know, not know why some things are in there, but it says here, every scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful one way or another. Whether you understand it or not, it's useful one way or another. It shows us truth, exposing our rebellion. You know, you think about truth. I tell you what, not to get on a soapbox, but, but Target has absolutely lost their mind. You talk about up and down, and down is up, and sweet is bitter, and bitter is sweet. You know, having bathing suits for, for young children, you know, so they can hide their, their parts and, and, and be other. I mean, that, that's insane. That is the opposite of truth, the spirit of Antichrist right there. And what does this say? The Bible, if you read this, you're never going to get off into that because it shows you the truth, and you're not going to believe a lie. And so it shows this truth. It exposes our rebellion. You know, my background, been saved now almost 22 years, 21 years, very rebellious before Christ. And you kind of bring some of that into your Christianity, 
Rebellion's not good. A little bit edgy is good. Not necessarily love and being told what to do by the world. Need to be told what to do and submit to God and submit to your pastors. But again, the rest of this, there is a little bit of rebellion. Some of it needs to be exposed, though. And that's why I say, when you read the Bible, the Bible will come back and read you. It'll expose that rebellion. It'll correct our mistakes. And it'll train us to live God's way. That's what we all want. We want to live God's way. Live the life that Jesus lived. Amen. Through the word, we are put together and shaped up for the tasks God has for us. So he calls us and then he equips us. And this is how he equips us is through his Bible, teaches us through this. Amen. Through the word of God. So we go back to all scripture is given by inspiration of God. This word inspiration, it means God breathed. So again, we're answering the question, who is the author of the Bible. Inspiration means God breathed. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. All scripture is breathed out by the Spirit of God. That's what that's saying there. You can say it another way. The, the authority, which again, remember the word author comes from that word authority. So the, the authority behind all scriptures is the Holy Spirit. So who authored the Bible? The Holy Spirit. That's exactly right. You're paying attention. The Holy Spirit authored the Bible. Now, he used many different channels and, and, and all that, but behind all of those different channels, all of those dis- different vessels is the authority of the Holy Spirit, who is God himself. God breathed, inspired by God. So like that book, if you want to know what a passage in the Bible or in the scripture means, ask, ask the author, because he is the only one that's authorized to interpret the scripture. Now, thankfully, we've got teachers and Bible scholars and all of that. But I remember when I, I, was, I was first in prison and, and, and knew in the Word, I would just sit out on my back porch and I would just read the Bible. And so many times, you know, we, we get into so many other supplemental things. Nothing wrong with reading other books by, by you know, authors that, that enhance the Word. But supplement means in addition to basic nutrition. You wouldn't just take vitamins all day long and not eat food. This is our food. And I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit is our teacher. He's our guide. He'll lead you into all truth. And he'll make sure that you don't get off. Amen? Amen? And that we don't believe a lie. 2 Peter chapter 1. Turn in your Bibles there. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. We know that the Holy Spirit is the author of the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. It says, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. So what do we just talk about that? That the Holy Spirit, he's the one who interprets the scripture because he's the author of the scripture. So we go to the Holy Spirit because again, he wrote it, right? So we go to the author, the one that, that wrote the book to find out what it is that the book means. Amen. Now granted, when you're, you're young in this, you, you have Bible teachers and, and, and that's why you have pastors in your life and whatnot to, to feed you the milk, but eventually you get to a point where you're able to feed yourself. That doesn't mean you, you don't still sit underneath the word of God, but it's just like a little baby. They start out in a, in a high chair and, you know, their mom's feeding them milk and then it's baby food. But eventually, you know, it'd be kind of odd if my 20-year-old son, if, if, if Melissa still got him on her knee and trying to feed him and, and burping him and whatnot, right? We got to grow up. We got to mature. We got we to become perfect as the Bible says. Amen? Amen? But as we read the Bible, the Holy Spirit, who is also what? The Spirit of truth. He's the one that's teaching us along the way. 
And he won't let you get off. Amen? As long as you stay with the word. Verse 21, it says, For the prophecy came, not in old time, by the will of man. So it did not come by the will of man. But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So what is this saying? That, that the Holy Spirit moved or inspired, right? We just looked at that word inspired. They inspired these men to write. So we, we know this. Paul, he wrote most of the New Testament. The, the Pauline epistles, we call it, right? He was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write those. But he wasn't really the writer. He was more the secretary of it. Obviously, it was his hand that, that wrote those letters, but it was inspired by the Holy Spirit. So really, it's, it's kind of like a boss and a, a secretary. The secretary transcribes what it is that the boss wants written. That word transcribe means put thoughts, speech, or data into written or printed form. Give you an example. You know, Marissa started working in, in our office here a year ago or so. You know, Pastor Mike, if, if he's going to write a letter out to the congregation, he may have Marissa come in and, and Marissa sits down and, and she dictates that letter. Okay, and then she goes and she proofs it and, and puts it all together and, and prints that thing out and, and, and folds it up and puts all your names on envelopes, stamps the envelopes, uh, you know, licks the envelopes, puts the envelopes in the mail and mails them out to you. Who wrote the letter? Pastor wrote the letter, even though he didn't touch any of it. He wrote the letter. She dictated it, right? She, she transcribed that letter, but the author was pastor. It's the same way with the Bible, with the Word of God. Paul wrote the letter, but he transcribed what God was speaking to him and through him. And that's, he wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Amen? So we know that God's the author, the Holy Spirit. He wrote through men. Well, now we have a problem. You know, we, we, we know that men wrote the Bible. Well, these men are, are fallible. That word fallible means a person that makes mistakes. So we say that, that the Bible, it, it's truth, but you have these fallible men writing it. You know, what do we do with that? You've got David. He wrote most of the Psalms. He was both an adulterer and a murderer. And he wrote most of the Psalms. And then you've got Paul, who we just talked about. You know, you look at, at 1 Timothy 1.13. This is what Paul said. He said, even though I, meaning Paul, used to blaspheme the name of Christ. This man blasphemed the name of Christ, and he wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. In my insolence, or, or in my arrogance, I persecuted his people. You know, he was holding Stephen's coat while they were, or holding the coats of the people that were, were stoning Stephen. You think about that. He was very much a part of that. Verse 15, he even said, I was the worst of all sinners. So how can the Bible be infallible if the people who wrote it were fallible? How can the Bible have no mistakes if the people that wrote it were mistaken people? Let's look at Psalms chapter 12. Turn in your Bibles there. We're going to find out the answer. How do imperfect people write a perfect book that has been debated and torn apart, and communism, if you're in a communist country, they, they won't allow it there. It's a Bible that is still the, the most sold book ever in history. That Bible, Psalms chapter 12, verse 6, it says this, the words of the Lord are pure. 
They're pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. So let's pick this apart. So the word earth here, it's, it's a depiction of the human vessel, right? God formed us out of clay or out of the dust of the earth. So the earth is, is us. It's the human vessel. The fire is the Holy Spirit, okay? And the silver that's purified seven times, that's the message of God. So I'm going to read it again. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver in a furnace of earth, in in vessels, purified seven times. So God's words are pure. They come through an impure vessel, but they're, they're put in the furnace seven times. Seven is, is the, the God's completion, right? God created the earth in seven days. He said, it is finished. It is complete. It's perfect. He rested. He said, it is good. That's how it works. The words of the Lord are pure words, just like silver, tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Even though it comes through a fallible vessel, God purified the word so it's perfect in here. Amen? Amen. So what do I mean by saying all this? You can rely on it. You can stand on it. You can believe in it. You can, you can bet your entire life on it. I know I have. Hey, deliverance and, and you know, decide, all, all this stuff is awesome but you still have to consistently be in the Bible each and every day. You know, we can lay hands on you until, you know, you, you, you go bald. But if you're not willing to discipline yourself and put the Bible in, put the Word of God in your spirit, you're going to be malnourished. You're going you're to have your growth stunted. You're not going to achieve the level that God wants you to be at. Amen? It's just the reality of it. I'm not trying to beat you down. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an ex-coach, right? I'm trying to encourage you up to, to make this decision to never go a day without reading your Bible, Amen. to without putting the Word of God in. Amen? It says it. I'll say it again. The Bible contains everything that you need to know for salvation, how to live a life of victory while you're on your way to heaven. It's got everything you need. Amen. So again, we talked about the logos. That's the written Word of God. Now we get into the second form, which is Jesus, the, the, the living word of God. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Really cool thing with this. When I was in prison, I memorized scripture, and, and every night I'd, I'd, I'd have pages of it, you know, when they'd have roll call. And I remember one morning I was at, at uh, work, I guess is what you'd call it. I was at this warehouse, and, and I just was talking to God, and I was like, you know, I'd really like you to, to do something cool with me. And, and I, I remember the, the scripture, this is what I had written down on my card that I was going to memorize. And I'm telling you, God dropped this in my spirit without even hardly, like, reading it one time. Usually you have to kind of read it over and over and over. But he, he just dropped it in my spirit to a point where I literally cannot forget it. I mean, it's in here, and it ends up coming out of here. It was just kind of a cool thing that God did for me. And in John chapter 1, so it says, In the beginning was the Word. And the word was with God and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. Who are they made by? The word, right? Jesus. And without him, who's him, the word or Jesus, was not anything made that was made. So what are we looking at here? That that Jesus is the living word. That's the second form that the word comes in is Jesus, the living word. If we scroll down to verse 14, it says this, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. 
I'd love to teach again on grace and truth. I think that's, that's so, especially the days we live in. What, what do Christians do a lot of times? They either fall in one ditch where, where they hate, you know, they say, hate the sin, love the sinner. I, you know, if I was a sinner, I don't know if I'd really, you know, like hearing that necessarily, but, but it's almost hate. But the other side is, is, is affirm, right? We just affirm everything a person does. But what did Jesus do? Full of grace and truth. What did he tell the women at the well? Go your way. I'm not going to stone you, but go your way and sin no more. He showed her grace by not stoning her, but he also told her the truth by saying, hey, knock this off. I might not be here next time, and they had a right to stone you. Full of grace and truth. Didn't mean to get off, but in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. The word has always been here. Jesus has always been with God, part of the triune, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. If you go back to Genesis 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? Jesus was a part of that. The word was in the beginning. So we know the second form that the word comes in is the form of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3. Let's look at that. Jesus is the word. Hebrews 1, 3 says this. He, meaning Jesus, is the sole expression of the glory of God. He's the sole expression of the glory of God, the light being, the outraying or radiance of the divine. And he is the perfect imprint and very image of God's nature, upholding and maintaining and guiding and propelling the universe by his mighty word of power. So again, what are we looking at? The logos is the written word of God. Jesus is the living word of God. Jesus is God in the flesh. You want to see God? Look at Jesus. If, if God took a selfie, it'd look like Jesus, right? Amen. Jesus is God. He's the word of God. Amen? So how did Jesus use the scripture and, and, and tying all this together? So if he was the living word of God, the living uh, example of God, how did he use the scripture? Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. You know, this is where Jesus is going out and, and he's going to be tempted. He just was, was baptized in the river by, by John the Baptist. You know, he comes up out of the water and, and the Holy Spirit comes down, not a dove, but like a dove, right? And, and rests upon him. That's when he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And then what did his father say? He said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He hadn't done one thing, not one miracle. Just like us. It's not performance-based. God is well pleased with all of you. He values you. He loves you. He's sitting around every day trying to work out ways for for you to prosper and succeed, but you've got to work with him. Amen? Amen? If you get these mindsets that you're you're no good, just an old old sinner and, and, and some old worm, no, that's not what the Word of God says about you. He says you are his beloved son or daughter, and he's well pleased with you. Amen? So in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, we look at this first temptation, right? He had just heard, I'm the beloved son in whom God is well pleased. And the first thing Satan does is he tries to get Jesus to doubt. Matthew 4, 3, it says, Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the son of God, command that these stones become bread. So what did Satan do here? He's, he's, he's trying to challenge him to doubt what he had just heard, well, it was probably 
30 or 40 days previously. I mean, he's hungry, and, and obviously these were real temptations for Jesus. But he had just heard that the last words from his father is, is you're my beloved son in whom I, I am well pleased. So he said, you are the, my son. And what did Satan say? If you are the son of God. He's trying to get him to question his identity. Isn't that how it always works? But see, if you're not in the written word of God and you haven't deposited that into you, you'll get a twisted understanding of, of, of who you are. Right. Kenneth Hagin wrote a book called In Him. You know, you can do all things through Christ which strengthens you. You are an overcomer. You are more than a conqueror. You are the healed of the Lord, right? You're above and not beneath, the head and not the tail, all of that. You're what God says about you. But Satan will try to get you to doubt that. And see, he, he doesn't have any new tactics, because that tactic works so well, but don't fall for it. Amen? Amen. And how do we not fall for it? By, by depositing the word of God and the spirit of truth. We feed our spirit and, and we walk in the truth that we know. So how, how did Jesus respond? Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, he said, He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the first form is the Logos, the written word of God. The second form is Jesus, the living word of God. How did Jesus respond to temptation? It is written. He, he spoke to him the written word of God, which really becomes the rhema word of God, which we'll get to in a moment. But again, all three times when Jesus was tempted, how did he respond? It is written. But to say it is written, you have to have this written in your heart. It's not the Bible that's, that's sitting over on the desk collecting dust. No, it's the Bible that is in your heart, in your spirit. Amen? And he didn't try to get into a play of words here. He didn't get into to philosophy or, or, or theology. I always say this, you know, a, a philosophy person or a, a big-time professor, they take simple things and they make them complicated. A teacher takes complicated things and makes it simple. But see, you can control people if, if you complicate things. That's how the church of old did it. No, you have, to, you have to come to me. I'm the only one that can interpret this, right? Martin Luther said, no, you can interpret it for yourself. Salvation is by grace. You don't need those religious leaders. Now, we need pastors. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to say that whatsoever. But again, you can get in this word and God will speak to you through it. Amen? And deposit it into your heart. Now Eve, she, she wasn't so victorious. See, see, she tried to get clever with Satan. Think about how, how she responded. Satan said this, he said, Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And what should she have responded? She, said, she should have said, Satan, I, I don't want nothing to do with you. I know God and that's enough for me. I could care less about this tree. I don't even think about this tree. It's the tree of, of knowledge of something. I, I'm not even worried about it. We have all these other trees that we can eat, but I'm not even worried about what I'm eating and drinking and all that stuff because I know God and I spend time with him on a daily basis and God is more than enough. Amen. That should be our attitudes. What did Ben Priest say? He said our, our thing is to, number one, know God and make him known. Amen. Love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Simple but we want to make this thing complicated. Amen? Amen. Instead, what did, what did she do? She had this conversation with him. And then what happened? He, he, he brought in doubt. 
hath God said? And, 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 and so then, man, she starts meditating on that man. Doubt turns into what? Disbelief. Man, maybe God is trying to keep something from me. She starts meditating on that. And then what happens? Doubt turns into disbelief, and, and then disbelief turns into disobedience. What did she do? She ends up eating the fruit and disobeyed God, and then, and then Adam follows her and, and eats the same fruit, and he disobeys God. But where did it start? It started with doubt, giving place to the devil Amen. instead of saying it is written, right? And, and, and just saying, hey, God is all that I need. I don't need all this other stuff. And that's how Satan is still working. Don't entertain the doubt. Because I'm telling you, it's a slippery slope. You know, tongues has passed away. The gifts of the Spirit aren't for today. Prosperity, healing, deliverance, all that stuff, right? My mom, it was so funny. She, she found out, you know, that I was coming on staff here a, a couple years ago. And she goes, well, are you going to go to seminary? And I'm like, Why? They're going to unwind everything that God's done for me and tell me why he didn't deliver me from drug addiction and, and, and restore our marriage and, and all the miracles that he's done in my life and many of your lives. They're going, to, they're going to pick all that apart? No. And again, I know there's good Bible colleges, but I also know there's some where, where reading the Bible is an elective where you get to choose whether or not you read it. What is that? This is our life. This is our lifeline. Amen? The Bible, the Word of God, the living Word of God. Amen? Doubt turns into disbelief, turns into disobedience. Jesus, how did he overcome? By the spoken Word of God, which is the, the third way. So we have the Logos, the written Word of God. We have Jesus, the, the living Word of God. And finally, we have Rhema, the Word of God spoken. Turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. You know this scripture. 6.17, it says this, you take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, that, that's the rhema, the, the, the spoken Word of God. That's what happened to me. You know, when, when I was saved and, and uh, down in Florida, and it was before I came to a church like this, you know, or, or had enough teaching, I guess would be the be best way to say it, you know, they, they just kind of said like, hey, you get born again and we get everybody else born again. But I was, I think I was 28 or 29 years old. And you know, between 28 and 29 and, and 85 or 90 or 95, when you go to heaven, you're going to get your teeth knocked in from here to there. They didn't tell you that. But every song was, when you all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing, right? It wasn't about having victory between here and there. Because again, we read the Bible more as a history book and, and, and more as, you know, facts and figures rather than, than understanding that it was the living word, that, that Jesus is still doing miracles, that the Holy Spirit is still active and, and moving in our lives, amen? That rhema word. And once I, I got that, I, you know, Brother Hagin's teaching how to have Bible faith and I started to understand that I could take this word and I could deposit it in my spirit and, and meditate on it and I could speak that word out and, and the word that I speak out when I speak God's word, it's the same as God speaking God's word and it'll change your situation. Amen? Went from a seven-year prison sentence down to three and a half years. Then they were like, there's no way we're going to ship you back to South Dakota. You're down in Florida. Your time is, is way too short. But the devil is a liar. A few weeks later, I'm on a, on a van getting carted back to South Dakota so I could see Melissa and Noah every I mean, I'm telling you, the spoken rhema word of God works. But you have to work the word. You've got to put it in you. It's not manna from yesterday or last week or last month or last year, it's the word that you put in on a daily basis. Amen? 
And it takes discipline, amen? Super simple. A human being, you and I, animals can't do this, humans can. We take this word, deposit it in our heart, meditate on it. That's, that's the digestive process, right? It, it, it digests in there. And, and then when it gets you inside of you, and, and then you begin to believe it. And when you begin to believe it, you begin to speak it. And the more you speak it, the more you believe it. And the more you believe it, the more you speak it. And the more you speak it, the more you believe it. And then, man, your circumstances start to change. doesn't happen overnight, but it definitely happens over time. Yeah. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I'm telling you, you're not going to believe it the first time you read it. That's why you got to meditate on it and be taught it over and over and over. But God is so awesome. He's a good father. He'll meet you exactly where you're at. As a toddler, he'll walk you as a toddler. But as you grow up and mature, he's going to require and expect more out of us, which is a good thing. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Sunday, we're going to talk more on, on the spoken word of God. We're, we're running short on time here, so I'm going to, I'm going to cut it a little bit short. But, but again, we got the logos, the written word of God. We've got the Jesus, who's the living word of God, and then Rhema. And I'm going to teach you on Sunday how to take this word for healing. And I, just something God's revealed to me and, and being a fitness professional for, for 25 years, how the body works, how it operates, you know, and whatnot. And, and, and just, just be here Sunday. I'll just put it that way. That's a, that's a teaser. Amen? Amen. As we wrap up, the, the Bible says this. You talk about Rhema. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That word confess means say the same thing as someone else. You, say the, you confess that Jesus is Lord. You say the same thing as God says about you. That's your confession. If you're in here tonight and you've, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've never had a time in your life where, where you... Where you just looked at your life and said, hey, the, the direction I'm going, it's not working and, and I need to make some changes. I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer. Amen. It's the start of it, the living word. He'll come into your life, he'll change your life. I remember when I got born again, it, it changed everything in a terrible situation externally, but I had peace. The first peaceful night's sleep I had ever really had. True love, we, we started to experience after that. Not lust that, that takes, but love that gives. It's just a, such a, a shift, but it was amazing. And it's been amazing ever since. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We'd love for you to join us for our Sunday morning service at 930, as well as our midweek service on Wednesday nights at 7. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.